Hello, you're listening to the Business Butler Podcast, where we serve you tasty business solutions in bite-sized morsels on a silver platter. And now here's your host, Clayton C. Butler. Hello and welcome. The Business Butler Podcast is live. It's the 6th of May, 2020. And today we're going to find out, are you breaking the law with your marketing? Clayton C. Butler here, your business butler that serves all your creative business solutions on a silver platter. And if it's your first time here, we go live at noon Eastern every Monday through Friday on the Clayton C. Butler Facebook page and the Clayton C. Butler YouTube channel. And we're here to talk to entrepreneurs and business owners about how they can grow their business with marketing, advertising, promotional items, and other creative business solutions. So be sure to like, subscribe, follow, and get notifications, depending on whatever platform you may be on. And if you find the stuff that uh, I talk about here on the podcast helpful, and you'd like me and my team to help grow your business, then give us a call at one 833 three butler or apply at butlerhelpme.com so the question of the day is are you breaking the law with your marketing are you breaking the law with your marketing do you even know if you're breaking the law with your marketing now surely you wouldn't do it on purpose of course but sometimes in business we do stuff that we don't know we're not supposed to do And most of the time, we don't even know it's wrong. But still, there are things that can get you into trouble before you even know it. So let's talk about specifically using multimedia in your marketing. Now, first of all, let me get this out of the way. I am not an attorney. So please consult one if you have any questions or concerns about what we talk about here. I'm simply just sharing my experiences dealing with copyrights and intellectual property over the last 20 or so years. But just to be safe, just know that I'm not always right. So in this episode, I did want to shed some light on uh, some easy mistakes that entrepreneurs and business owners may make in their marketing that can lead them into hot water. Now, aside from the FTC or the Federal Trade Commission, which has laws that are against things like unsubstantiated income claims in your advertising or just false advertising in general, there are intellectual property laws that also govern how you use content that is not your own. And I'm going to talk about that, especially with marketing and advertising your business, because that'll get you in hot water quicker than just about anything when it comes to copyright infringement. Now, the fines, first of all, if you make a mistake and inappropriately use copyright in your business, the fines for making such a mistake when it comes to copyright infringement can be mighty hefty. And in most cases, it can be enough to cripple or even close a small business. So you don't want to run into these problems at all. Uh, Christina Butler, my shawty, Christina says, this is such an important topic. Thanks for posting that on the chat. It is important because a lot of people don't even know that they might have a problem. So then that's what I want to do today is I want to bust some of those myths 
and uh, kind of set you on the right track. But if you do screw up, the legal penalties for copyright infringement can be pretty severe. The infringer pays the actual dollar amount of the damages and profits. So however much economic impact you have on the copyright owner, that's how much you have to pay them. The law provides a range from $200 to $150,000 for each work that is infringed. So again, if you have even one or multiple instances of infringement, your business can be closed in a hurry. The infringer pays for all the attorney fees and the court costs, and the court can issue an injunction to stop the infringing acts and they can impound the illegal works, and the infringer could go to jail. Not a good day. A lot of people don't even understand what copyright is. And if you do understand copyright, forgive me for this little uh, primer. I'm not trying to talk down to you or patronize you, but there are a lot of people that don't understand the basics of copyright. So I'm, I'm going to kind of glaze over the basics here. We're going to talk about just what copyright is and what the rights are that are afforded to a copyright holder. So when you hear the term copyright, first of all, let me clarify, you hear about copywriting and you hear about copyrights. They're two different things and they're spelled completely different, differently. Copywriting is actually writing copy or the words in an advertising piece or a, a marketing piece or something like that or an ad the the copy is the word so you're actually writing the copy so that's w r i t e as in write the other copyright is copyright r i g h t which as the name implies it is the right to copy so that's just kind of a broad term to cover the exclusive rights that are afforded to somebody who owns a piece of intellectual property. Now, an intellectual property is an intangible thing like um, something that you own that you came up with, but it can't be held. So it's a way to call an intangible property something that uh, you can actually own. So it's an intellectual property, as they call it. Intellectual property includes patents, copyrights, trademarks, things like that. But we're going to stick with, with uh, copyrights right now. So the Copyright Act grants the copyright holder several exclusive rights, meaning they alone have these following rights. The right to reproduce the work, the right to distribute the work, the right to create derivative works off of that work. They also have the right to publicly perform the work or publicly display the work. And perform actually includes playing back of recordings, whether they're digital or analog or whatever by means of transmission. It also means playing back the work. So if you own the copyright, you're the only person that's allowed to do that unless somebody pays for a license to be able to do it. So if you don't own those rights, you have to get access to those rights through a license, which generally means paying for the uh, the license to use the work. But that's what's afforded to a copyright holder. So now there are, there are three elements that must be in place for an infringement to actually occur. 
Number one, the copyright holder must have a valid copyright, which as soon as a um, work is created, it is owned by the copyright owner, regardless of whether or not they register it with the Library of Congress. Now, that gives them extra rights that they don't ordinarily have otherwise, but they still own that work and it is still theirs and it can still be infringement. So the copyright holder must, uh, owner must have a valid copyright. The person who is allegedly infringing must have access to that copyrighted work, and the duplication of the copyrighted work must be outside of the exceptions. And those exceptions are what we call fair use, which is face-to-face or virtual instruction, like teaching in a classroom or doing a virtual tutoring environment. In the context of a worship service, within criticism or commentary like a book review or a movie review or a parody. Now that's fair use. So those are the exceptions. So now that we have that out of the way, and if you have any questions about those, ask them in the chat. Again, I'm not an attorney, but uh, I have had a good bit of experience with this and I will do my best not to steer you in the wrong direction, but uh, I will do my best. And if it is outside of my wheelhouse, definitely consult an attorney. First of all, there are a lot of assumptions when it, in the business world, oftentimes too, when it comes to using things like music, video, words, images, and things like that in your marketing or in your business. Now, here are a few myths, and I want to bust these myths that I particularly hear all the time, and it's the questions I frequently get. So the first thing I want to start with is the seven-second rule, the seven-second rule. And you might have heard this, too. So if I use less than seven seconds of music, then I am safe. That is a myth. That is not true. It doesn't matter how long it is that you've used a piece of music or a recording. It is still not safe to use without a license. You are still infringing. So there's no number of notes to stay under. No length of time that makes it not an infringement. So don't think you can just use seven seconds or less and then you're cool because you're not cool. So number two, I get this one all the time, too, because we we make on hold messages here. And when we talk to customers and clients and businesses and tell them, use your music on hold system for your business because it, it helps alleviate caller anxiety and helps keep callers on the phone longer. I get this. I'm playing a radio station over the phone system's music on hold feature. Radio is free, so I'm good. No, you're not good. Even though radio is free to listen to, it is not free to rebroadcast. You are in turn becoming a broadcaster by taking that music from the radio station and then pumping it through and piping it through your phone system to somebody else on the other end of the line. That is also copyright infringement because you are performing the music by means of audio transmission. So you do not have the right to do that without a license. So don't do that. Don't plug a a phone Don't plug a radio into your music on hold feature. Same thing goes with Spotify. Same thing goes with Pandora. Even if you're paying for them, don't do it. 
Here's another similar one in that same vein. I paid for the CD and I paid for the music that I legally downloaded to use on my music on hold. So I should be safe. No, you're not safe. Just because you paid for the music doesn't mean what you think it means. Like he said, you keep using that word. I do not think it means what you think it means. When you're paying for the music and you're buying a CD or you're buying a download, what you're buying is the license to listen to the music that is physically imprinted onto that plastic disc or those ones and zeros in that file. You don't own the music, so to speak. The only thing you actually physically own is the plastic that the music is embedded onto. You don't own the music. You own a license for personal private use, which means you yourself or a very small group of people in a private setting can listen to that music and enjoy it. Same thing with a download. You just own the ones and zeros in the file name. You don't own the music. So you are not safe using music that you've paid for on a commercial CD or a commercial download, meaning like a popular artist or somebody and and you're using their release without their permission because somebody else owns that music and owns the copyright and all those rights that we just talked about a few moments ago. And here's another one. We also make jingles for companies, jingle advertisements with uh, sung vocals and whatnot. And I get this oftentimes, too, when we talk to people. Well, I want to use a particular song for my jingle, like, I don't know, it's something like a 50s tune, like Rockin' Robin or something, and we're going to make our our jingle like it's Robin's Auto Sales, and I want to use the song Rockin' Robin. The argument is, well, parody's fair use, so I'm fine, right? Yes, a parody is covered under the Fair Use Act, but there are stipulations as to what constitutes as a parody. In this case, it crosses certain lines. And I'll talk about that in just a minute. But just because you rewrote the lyrics to a song does not necessarily make it a parody, especially since you're using it for commercial purposes. I mean, you're using it to sell your business, your auto sales or whatever. So I'm not going to go super deep into fair use. But it is loosely governed or guided by four factors. The purpose and the character of the use, meaning like nonprofit versus commercial. Nonprofit would be more fair use. Commercial would be more you you have to pay for it. Educational versus entertainment. Stuff like that. The nature of the work comes into play, whether it's it's you're restating facts that are known facts or you're talking about fiction, which is something somebody made up and created on their own. So the facts probably more toward fair use fiction, more toward paid published versus unpublished kind of the same thing. And there's a scale kind of, it floats around, but it's all governed by these things. And the amount of the work used comes into play in fair use, not in infringement, but in fair use. And the market effect, meaning the economic impact that you have on the person that you're using the work from. All those factors together, if you're using somebody else's song to advertise your business, 
it's not going to fall under fair use in all likelihood. 99% can guarantee that that's not going to fly. So in cases where you want to use parodies, not parodies, but rewritten songs of popular songs, we all should know that using a popular song in your advertisement without a license is going to get you into big trouble. So we know we got to license the actual song. Some people get confused about rewriting the song. So you you probably want to go on ahead and get a license there, or you do want to go on ahead and license it just to be safe. Soundalikes kind of fall into a little bit of a gray area right now. And a soundalike means a song that sounds really close to the original. Most of the time, it sounds almost identical, but the lyrics are different. So you got to be careful with those. So you want to make sure you license that. Even if it did fall into fair use for that, sometimes you'll use the background music from that particular song or your jingle in your advertising without the lyrics to it. Well, that music is covered under copyright. The lyrics might be your own, but the music still might be identifiably that song that you're ripping off, so to speak. So you got to have a license there. So just because you rewrite it doesn't make it fair use or fair game. Here's another one. This one's a, a bit confusing for a lot of people. We have what's called public domain. After a certain period of time, which as of the copyright law of 1978, it is 70 years plus the life of the author. So whoever creates the piece has their entire lifetime to own the piece plus 70 years where their estate gets paid for it or the estate owns it. After that point, it becomes public domain. So you got classical pieces, Brahms, Bach, um, Beethoven, you know, the masters, the greats, all those songs are in the public domain. So we should be able to use them in our advertisement, right? Well, yes and no. The piece itself, the actual musical composition can be used in your advertisement for free. You don't have to pay for the composition. But we run into the problem that we probably don't have any existing recordings of those works that are in the public domain, meaning the musical composition itself, the piece of music, is in the public domain, but the recording is not. It's two different, two different things, two different entities when you're dealing with copyrighted music. You're dealing with the musical composition, and you're dealing with the master recording. So in most cases, when you have a classical recording, you have the composition that is in public domain and the recording, which is not in public domain, it's owned by somebody else. So you can't just take a classical piece and have a recording of it and use it in your advertisement and be safe because somebody else owns that master recording. It's called a master use license that you'll need for that. Or you can just commission somebody else to re-record the song. If you know somebody that plays piano, you can have them play it on piano or or commission somebody else to do what's called a mock-up of the song where it's uh, we're using things like digital instrument samples to recreate the orchestra sound. Now you can do that, and then then you own it. If you've paid for it and you do that as a work for hire, then you own it and you can use it. 
So that's what to be careful for when you're using classical music. And here's one of my favorites that sticks in my craw. Why do I have to pay a fee to have music or bands in my restaurant or bar? Music is free. That's just extortion. I can't tell you how many business owners I hear say that the restaurant owners that have bands or pipe music in or, or broadcast music, they say I shouldn't have to pay. The band should have to pay. You know, music is free for everybody. They're just extorting me for money and all this stuff. Well, no, somebody owns that music. The band that is playing may or may not own the music that they're playing. That's how the copyright owners, meaning the songwriters and the publishers, get paid. So if I write a song and a band plays it in a bar or on the radio or on TV, that's how I get paid as a songwriter. That's my livelihood. So when you're paying those licenses, you are paying the publishers. You're paying them because they own the publishing rights. You're paying the songwriters that own the rights to the music. So that's how these people make their living. So they're like, well, this extortion. I shouldn't have to pay that. It's a cost of doing business. Just because you don't want to pay for it doesn't mean you don't have to pay for it. I don't want to pay for renewing my driver's license, but I do. I don't want to have to pay for my carry license or a fishing license. Fishing should be free. Toting a gun is in the Constitution. It should be free, but I still got to pay for the license for it. Same thing. You own a bar. You have to have a pouring license. You have to pay for the liquor. So it's just a cost of doing business. In this case, you have to pay a license fee to use somebody else's property to enhance and further your business because you wouldn't be having a band playing if it wasn't making you more business. It's the same thing. You wouldn't be serving beer and liquor if it didn't enhance your business. You'll gladly pay that license fee and you'll gladly pay for the liquor. Why not pay for the music? Why not pay for the livelihoods of people who own that intellectual property that you as a business owner or bar owner or restaurant owner are benefiting from. Sorry, soapbox moment over. But it really sticks in my crawl. As a musician and as a songwriter and composer who makes their living off of other people performing what I create or broadcasting what I create, that to me feels like a bar owner stealing from me. Those license fees that they pay go toward all the songwriters, the little guy all the way up to the top dog. So I don't know. I just get upset about it. I don't mean to, to get so adamant about it, but it's a cost of doing business. It trickles down to the little guy. I wouldn't go into your restaurant and order a plate of food and walk out the door without paying for it. So pay for your music. <laughs> Rant over. Sorry. With all these situations, what can you do to stay legal? First of all, we have what's called royalty-free music. That's the first option. 
royalty-free music is a little bit of a misnomer, but it simply means that when you pay for the music, you're paying for a license that lets you use that music in your production or broadcast or on your own whole message without having to pay for it again over and over and over to use the music. So it's designed for that. It's what's called production music. It's so you can use that music in your production, being your own whole message, being your advertisement, being your radio commercial, what have you. So just make sure to check the fine print in the license to make sure that your situation is covered. If you need to know where to find music like that, reach out to me, send me a message. If you need something like that, I can steer you in the right direction. But a royalty-free piece of music is going to be more expensive than a download of a popular song. You're going to pay a buck for a song to download it for your personal use. When you're paying for a royalty-free piece of music, you might pay anywhere from 50 bucks to 150 bucks or up, even into the thousands, depending on what your use is. So the extra cost is the license and the compensation for that particular commercial use. So just know, don't get sticker shock when you go to the royalty free site and prices start at like 39 bucks. I mean, it ranges depending on what your particular use is. If it's an on hold message, it's probably going to be pretty cheap for a YouTube video or, or something like that. It's probably going to be pretty cheap. You might pay more if it's going to be for a, a broadcast commercial or a jingle or something like that. But just know that the prices are going to be a little bit more than paying your buck for your download for the latest Beyonce song that you would have to get a ginormous license for if you wanted to use it for your business. Now, next, you can have a company like mine, Butler Productions. Now, we specialize in creating custom jingles and other production music. And again, production music is just music used in your production for sale or broadcast. So, we help you do things like that. And again, it's not advisable to do a sound alike for your jingle. We talked about that briefly. So don't rip off somebody else for your jingle, meaning a song that's identifiable just with different lyrics. But a good jingle company can create a piece of music that is very similar in style to your reference to where they kind of get the vibe of, oh, yeah, it kind of sounds like so-and-so, but it's not identifiably theirs. They're going to help you kind of kind of get that good sound and that good vibe going on without being just a total ripoff that could get you in trouble. So if you would like us to help you legally use music in your advertising by creating your jingle or your on-hold message or other production music, or if you'd just like us to help you out with your advertising, marketing, promotional items, or other creative business solutions, call me at one 3 butler or go to butlerhelpme.com. Again, this is Clayton C. Butler, your business butler that serves all your creative business solutions on a silver platter. And as always, have a great one. Thank you for listening to the Business Butler Podcast. To learn more about Clayton, visit claytoncbutler.com. Need help growing your business? Then reach out to the Butler Productions team at 1-833-3-BUTLER or go to butlerhelpme.com. The Butler Productions podcast is property of Butler Productions, LLC. Copyright 2020. All rights reserved.